Welcome to the New England Football Show. I'm John Serenitas, and as always, I'm joined by my partner, Kevin Stone, and we are fortunate tonight to be joined by Caitlin Aoki, who is an NFL agent with Alliance Sports. Caitlin, how are you this evening? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing all right. We're doing all right. How's the frog doing in the background? The, the frog, you know, it seemed to be quiet right now, but I'm sure I'm sure it'll make another appearance for us. <laughs> nice. Well, hey, I, I want to first off, I want to say thank you for taking the time. Uh, we really appreciate it. I know it's a busy time of the year for you. Uh, we're three weeks away from the NFL draft, so we certainly appreciate your time. Uh, let's just jump right into it. First things first, obviously, you're an NFL agent. How, how did you make the decision to become an NFL agent and what was that process like and how's it been for you so far? For sure. Well, you know, to be honest with you, I never had any intentions of becoming an agent or being on the agent side of the business, um, kind of fell into it. So a little bit of background on myself just to lead up to that. Um, I started working my freshman year in college with the athletic department at my school. I went to San Diego State. Um, so shout out to them. Uh, but, <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, started working with the marketing department there. I thought that's kind of the route I wanted to go. And, you know, sponsorships, partnerships, figured out that wasn't exactly what really interested me. So I started working with the football team uh, my junior year in school and just kind of learning the ins and outs of recruiting operations, whatnot. Um, did that at, and then, shoot, three, three years after that, our head coach at the time, Brady Hoke, he got the job at the University of Michigan, asked me to come along with him on staff and I said, shoot, it's University of Michigan. I can't say no to that. So I went out there to Ann Arbor for a couple years. Um, and then, you know, the business of college football is what it is. We didn't win enough games. And so I had to start looking for another job. Uh, I had some connections at an agency that was based out of Nashville. So I said, okay, you know, let me give this a shot, see what it's about. Again, like I said, had no previous intentions of being on the agency side, but figured worst case scenario, I'll do this for a little bit before the, co the coaching carousel starts up again the following year. Right. And it ended up loving it, loving everything that, you know, goes into representing players and everything behind the scenes, you know, not necessarily the contract piece of it at that point in time. And so just kept doing that and, you know, fell in love with it and, Eventually, I said, okay, what's the next step of this this piece is, okay, get certified as an agent and then just keep growing from there. So that's that's how I got to be where I am now, and we'll see what's next. Now, I will say this, uh, you know, and this is sometimes people get confused with this just as a follow-up. Um, do you need to have a law degree? Do you need to be a lawyer in order to be an agent, or can you be an agent without being a lawyer? You can be an agent without being a lawyer. The The requirements they have to get certified now is you, you just have to have an advanced degree. So myself, I have an MBA. So if you didn't want to go the lawyer JD route, you could get you know, a master's degree, whether it's in business or management or, or whatever. But that's, that's typically the requirements now. Now, Caitlin, you have some pretty big names uh, as clients. Two of them that come to mind immediately uh, are Clyde Edward Tolaire and Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I'm curious what goes in to acquiring, um, you know, talent like that, or, or I should say representing talent like that. Um, does it just kind of, you know, happen by luck or is it, um, is, is a recruiting process? Kind of take us through that a little bit. 
And honestly, it's kind of a combination of both. Um, so, you know, I when I came to the agency, I'm at Alliance Sports. Zeke was already signed on as a client, so I, I can't take any credit for signing him or getting him on board. Um, but, yeah, you know, the process, like with Clyde, so Tommy Robinson, his running back coach at LSU, is also one of our clients at Alliance. And he put us on to Clyde pretty early on in the process that, hey, you know, I got this running back here. He's pretty good. He's pretty special. You guys should take a look at him. And so, you know, obviously he was spot on with his analysis and, you know, he was able to make an introduction to Clyde that way. And, you know, honestly, that's kind of how we come across a lot of the guys we end up signing is it's it's word of mouth. So it's someone, whether it's one of our coaching clients knows, it's someone one of our current client knows. But, you know, we like to make that not necessarily in-person, you know, handoff, but, mm-hmm. you know, you have that relationship already in place. So you have someone vouching for us and, hey, you know these are my agents or they're cool people like have a conversation with them. And then from there, it's just a matter of building a relationship with these, you know, with these guys and seeing if it's, if it's a fit for, for both parties. Obviously being an agent, you, you deal a lot with contract negotiations. And as we well know, contract negotiations can be contentious at times. Take us through sure. that process a little bit. What, how has that process been for you, Caitlin? What was it like in the beginning and, How's it been for you as you've been in the business longer and you've acquired more clients and you've done more deals? How does that process work? And and how have you found yourself becoming more proficient in that process? Sure. So, you know, this is my, this is actually only my second year being officially certified and able to negotiate contracts. You know, prior to that, I've been on phone calls and just listening to the process and how everything goes. Um, you know, like you said, sometimes it can get contentious. You know, obviously the teams and their representatives, they're trying to do the best deal for them. We're trying to get the best deal for our guys. So there's always going to be disagreements and, you know, differing opinions eventually. You know, somewhere we're going to settle somewhere in between in between the two. But for the most part, you know, both both sides know to kind of keep it civil and and respectful at a, at a minimum. Um but, but yeah, you know, it's been it's been an awesome experience. You know, every team negotiates differently. You know, there's always going to be haggling and, you know, they're going to lowball an offer. We're going to highball an offer and go back and forth. Sometimes teams are just like, hey, you know, we're really interested. We want this guy. We want to take out the BS of this. So we're going to send you not necessarily our best offer, but we're going to send you a pretty good offer just to say, like, we're serious about this. So, you know, like I said, every team's different and you just kind of have to play the game. You know, it's a chess match and just go along for the ride. As a follow-up, what kind of uh, preparation goes into a negotiation? So you have a client, they're a veteran client, they're going to hit free agency, uh, they're coming off their first contract. So for you, take us through the preparation process to prepare your client to hit the market. What that? What's that like? So, you know, and it's going to vary from from guy to guy based on what their situation is. You know, if you've got a guy who's, like you said, he's coming off his rookie contract and he may be, you know, one of the most highly sought after players where, you know, all 32 teams would love to have him. Or it may be a guy that, you know, maybe he didn't finish out his rookie deal and he's just looking to, you know, whether get a tryout, a workout or something. So, again, it's going to kind of vary based on the situation. But you take into account everything that goes into it. So you look at what's going on at his position. You know, what's the market? What are the top players at his position getting? You know, what kind of deals? Are they getting two-year deals? Are they getting three-year deals? Where does he fall in line? Is he, you know, is he a top 10 player, top 15 player? 
Is he a backup? You know, so you kind of have to look at all of that as well as what's the best fit for him. You know, where, where does he have the best chance to be successful? You know, is it a guy that's later on in his career where, you know, you're looking to prolong his career or are you just trying to get as much money as possible? Um, so, you know, again, it depends on the situation, but you look at, you look at everything, you know, for lack of, I know that's kind of vague, but. <laughs> no, 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 no. It makes sense though. You're right. Yeah. I think every case and every situation is different and certainly Obviously, you can approach it a lot differently if it's a player coming off their rookie deal versus a, a player that's been in the league 10, 12, 15 years. Sure. One just quick follow-up, and obviously you don't have to divulge names, but have you found that certain organizations and executives are easier to deal with in this process than others? 100%. And like I said, I, I, won't, I won't throw names out. because Okay, divulge names. <laughs> you know, hey, I'd like to stay in this career as long as possible. So. <laughs> can, can the frog divulge any names or – you know what? The frog seems to have gone quiet. So I think it's trying to bite its tongue too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Speaking of free agency, um, mm -hmm. just the overall kind of experience, um, not only for you, but for your clients as well, uh, and, and particularly veterans. Um, how stressful is it, you know, during this time? And uh, again, how stressful is it for you as well? Or does that stress level depend on the client mostly? Depends a lot on the client and again, what situation they're in, you know, again, if you've got a guy who's every, every team would love to sign him. And so you're taking offers left and right, you know, that makes it a little less stressful and, you know, puts a little more, more power in the player's court. And he has a little more authority to make decisions on his own career versus if you're a guy who, you know, you kind of have to hope that someone picks up the phone and calls and says, yeah, we want to bring him in. Um, and in that case, it can definitely be stressful and, you know, you're playing that waiting game. And unfortunately, you're kind of a lot of times at the mercy of whenever the teams decide they want to make a move. And, you know, as many times as we can make a call and we're bugging the teams and saying, hey, you know, so and so he's still available. We think he'd be a great fit for you. But they're the ones that the teams are ultimately the one that has to pull the trigger. And so, you know, in that sense, it can definitely be stressful and just trying to be patient when, you know, it's a it's a tough situation to be patient in. Now, just as a quick follow-up, um, particularly around training camp, you know, veterans getting cut and stuff like that, does that time kind of ramp up for you as well in terms of the stress level? Definitely. You know, it's because it's – I don't want to say it's easier right now, but, you know, before the season kicks off, before OTAs kick off, before training camp, you know, there's less of a – a time pressure, so to speak, say, okay, you know, there's still time out there. We still have to wait for the draft to go through and see what happens, you know, with, with who teams pick up. But yeah, definitely once you, once you get closer to summer and training camp in the season, you know, that, that time frame kind of narrows down a little bit. And so you start to feel, you know, a little bit of a pinch and just say, okay, you know, we'd like to get him picked up, get on a roster again, just so he can get back in camp and, you know, back trying to make the roster, you know. Caitlin, were you surprised by how active the Patriots were in free agency? Obviously, for us as a New England-based football show, they're our primary focus. It certainly caught us off guard, but in the industry, if you will, were, were you or agents surprised that Bill Belichick was so active and he spent so much money? I think it was, you know, I think everyone can agree it was, it was eye-opening and, you know, maybe a little bit out of character than you're used to from that organization. But also, you know, the the results from last season were out of character too. And, you know, so they probably mm -hmm. had to take a look at as an organization and say, okay, what's what's the quickest way we can get back to where where we've been and where we feel we're supposed to be? 
and you know obviously they felt that being active in free agency and picking up you know some really solid vet guys was was the best way to do that and you know still have a lot of good draft capital on the table too so you know they're making some moves <laughs> right you know and, and to kind of piggyback off of that when you look at the contracts that the patriots gave out uh, this offseason, they're all, in essence, short-term deals. They're all three- to four-year deals. Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with a client, and, and let's go back and talk about the, the client coming off their rookie contract. When you're dealing with a client that's in that situation, are they typically looking for longevity? Are they looking for years and a commitment from the organization? Or is it more about the guaranteed money and the money up front? A little of both. You know, obviously the – the guaranteed money is, in my opinion, probably the most important aspect. You know, you can sign an eight-year contract with a team, but if only one one year salary is guaranteed, then, you know, those other seven years are essentially meaningless, right? Um, you know, and, and this year was a little bit different, too, with, you know, coming off COVID, the, the difference in the salary cap, too, that played a lot in it. You know, didn't see as many of the, the big long-term deals that we've probably seen in the past several years. So I think that had a had a piece of it, you know, because again, not knowing what's going to happen with Cap next year, what's what's how the effect is going to play out with the new media deals, you know, players may not necessarily want to get tied down to to one long term contract that could, you know, maybe in a couple of years from now when they renegotiate, they can take advantage of, you know, the increases in the salary that's going to come. So that's that's a big piece of it. Yeah, and, and, and it's funny that you mentioned, you know, that the salary cap and the situation that the league is in right now. And I think one of the ways that the Patriots were able to capitalize on that situation, they had the third most cap space in the league going into free agency. They were able to capitalize on that because of the uncertainty with the cap and the cap going down. And you had so many teams that had cap problems, the Saints, the Packers, amongst others. Those teams weren't going to be active. And then you look at the teams in the middle that could be active that, let's say, had 20 to 40 million to spend. They weren't as active either because of the uncertainty. So the Patriots were able to take advantage of that by coming in and saying, you know what, we can offer you this term for this money and we can get in on a number of guys and possibly land them like a John U. Smith or a Hunter Henry. But how much of the situation that the league is in right now do you think played in the Patriots' favor and allowed them to be as aggressive as they were? Probably a lot, you know, because like you said, a lot of other teams just weren't in the the capacity to make those same type of offers or those competing offers. And so, you know, whereas, you know, a Hunter Henry maybe had a bigger market, a Johnny Smith maybe had a bigger market in, you know, a quote-unquote typical year, you know, if if the Patriots was one of the only organizations who could offer him a solid, you know, decent long-term contract, you know, he probably didn't have as many options on the table as he would have in a normal year. So I think that definitely worked to the Patriots' favor. Now, Caitlin, John mentioned um, the big splash the Patriots made. And on the other side of that, this draft this year might be one of the biggest ones in franchise history. Uh, I'm curious what the draft is like for you this year, in particular with no scouting combine. Um, you know, how are you prepping, uh, prepping clients and um, how are you kind of, you know, staying stress-free during a very, very <laughs> time. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm failing big time at staying stress-free, <laughs> just to be completely honest. But no, you know, for for as much of a, a headache and a grueling week as the combine can be for, for us as agents and for the players, um, not having it has also been a big stressor this year. You know, it's 
it's very advantageous for everyone involved to have that combine where, you know, guys, they're in that, then that basic lockdown for that, that week, you know, you've got all the meetings in the same place. You've got all the medical exams in the same place, sports psychologists, everything going on under, you know, not one roof, but, you know, a couple of roofs, everything's in this, in the same vicinity. And, you know, this year having to do all these different Zoom interviews and trying to do medical consults over Zoom and then having to go to local, you know, clinics to do blood work and, you know, still on top of working out, training, getting ready for pro day, you know, whereas maybe in most years you wouldn't necessarily have to be still training for your 40 and different shuttles and drills at this point in March, April, whatever, you know, you've already done all that stuff. Now you're still having to, to do all that training all the way through until whenever your pro day is. And then, you know, there's some guys that are still taking classes too. So it's just having to have all these different things on their plate has been, you know, been a lot. And I, I give, I give a lot of credit to these guys for, for dealing, for dealing with it and sticking through it. Cause it's, it's challenging for sure. And, and just as a quick follow up compared to last year, um, at this time, how much different is it? It's different, you know, like last year too, obviously we had to just, it was kind of the opposite. We had the combine, but you know, most schools right. weren't able to take advantage of pro day. And so still having to make these different adjustments and figure out, okay, how are, you know, how are guys going to get evaluated by teams? You know, especially if it's, you know, if it's not a lock first round guy, you know, how are we making sure he's getting seen and evaluated by as many teams as possible and how do we make sure that you know he's having as many conversations with these teams as possible to showcase who he is as a player you know it's you have your opportunity at pro day you know but beyond whatever may may be on film from the last two three years these guys unfortunately really don't get any other opportunity to impress in person and so you know not not everyone can be great over the phone or you know over zoom and unfortunately that's kind of the only the only metric that's in place this year. So it's, it's been an adjustment for sure. Yeah. And the frog seconds that I mean, <laughs> he's been exactly. very active <laughs> in, in the last five minutes. You, you he's, hear him piping up over there. <laughs> he's well, he's following up what you're saying. He's just echoing your exactly. sentiment. We do have a question here for you, Caitlin from Ktarch 1415 in your experience. Uh, how much truth do quote NFL insiders really get? How believable are the rumors? Ooh, that's a spicy one, Caitlin. That 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 is, you know what? Um, usually, where there's smoke, there's fire. So you know, if there's enough enough people that are kind of saying the same thing, there's bound to be some some kernel of truth in there some way. Again, you know, how much they've elaborated on that or exaggerated, it's up for interpretation. But there's, you know, there there's enough of them out there, and some of the the more highly accredited ones or more reputable ones, you know, they they've got they seem to have connections anywhere and everywhere. So like I said, if when there's smoke, there's usually fire. So take that for you know, obviously, <laughs> Right. Obviously for you uh, as a woman in sports, talk a little bit about the progress that women have made in terms of the profession, in terms of the NFL, in terms of being agents, uh, working for organizations, whether it be in a front office role or a coaching role. Where do you think we're at right now with women in football? We've made progress, but do you think we've made enough? Of course not. You know, again, like you said, it's it's definitely more exciting to see that there's there's more women and more more women being featured in in different roles. You know, so whereas you know previously, 
women were typically found in, in PR and in community, community relations. You know, there may be a few athletic trainers here and there, but now you're starting to see more women on the, you know, the quote unquote football side of things as coaches, as strength coaches, um, as agents, as executives, as scouts. And so it's, it's really exciting to see that. And I think it, it bodes well for the future, but to say, hey, we're, we're here, we're there, we're not quite there yet, but you know, move, moving in the right direction for sure. Yeah, I would say certainly, you know, I've been in football for a long time as a small college coach, high school coach, and, and, and I agree, we, we're definitely in a better place, mm-hmm. but I also agree that we have a long way to go because there's still a lot of doors that need to be open. And certainly, you know, you look at your situation in an NFL agent, that has for a long time, regardless of what the sport is, been a male-dominated profession. And now you're starting to see women make more progress in, in representing clients like Ezekiel Elliott and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, amongst others, certainly helps your profile, but it helps the profile of women. How important is it, though, for the NFL to empower women to be confident enough to want to pursue careers in football, professional football. Absolutely. I mean, that that's critical. You know, it's to have the support of the league as a whole is, is only going to make things better for, for everyone. And, you know, women especially, but, you know, women have, have always been in positions of power and women always seem to have a way to get things done, you know, one way or another. And so really it's, you know, Obviously, I'm biased as a woman saying that, but it's in everyone's best interest to have more women involved and more, you know, in higher authority executive positions. Just we'll get things done, period. Yep. Now, okay, we're going to have an easy couple uh, last ones for you. I'll start with this one. Um, the fav- your favorite part of this job, uh, and I want to add to that as well because it just kind of occurred to me, um, kind of a completely different question. How accurate was the movie Dirty McGuire? Because um, I'm assuming <laughs> I'm assuming you get that a lot, and, and it just kind of came to me, so I had to ask. Uh, but also, just your favorite, uh, your favorite part of this job as well. My favorite part of the job is, you know, far and away the people. You know, not just the the people I work with, but being, you know, being able to meet the people I've met and worked with. You know, you get to meet people from all parts of the world, all, all parts of the country, from all different backgrounds and. And it, it's so cool, you know, you really expand your expand your horizons, expand your network, and everyone's got a different story to tell. And, you know, it just kind of reminds you that even though this world is big, like, you know, we're all still people at the end of the day. Um, you know, I, I love the guys that I work with. I love my clients. I consider them family. And so that's, you know, helping them to get to whatever their goals may be or whatever they're trying to accomplish. That's that makes everything worth it to me. So that's definitely my favorite part of the job. Um, Jerry Maguire is, uh, again, there's kernels of truth in there. They can they can exaggerate a lot of things for sure. Um, but I, I would love to be someone's ambassador of Quan. So, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the comparisons. <laughs> I'm glad I brought it up. <laughs> I know, for sure. <laughs> now, Caitlin, there's, of course, the other end of the spectrum, and that is, what would you what what do you wish was a little different about your job? I'm not going to ask you what you quote unquote dislike or hate about your job, but what do you wish might have been a little different about your job? You know, honestly, nothing. You know, all the the challenges and some of the BS I've I've been through and experienced has has shaped who I am and helped get me to where I am. And so, you know, 
I wouldn't trade any of that, you know, whether it's where I worked, who I worked with, you know, situations, whatever it may be, it's, it's all gotten me to this point. Um, so, so no, I really, you know, I wouldn't change it. Obviously there's some days are better than others. Some days are more challenging than others, but getting through those different challenges and the tough days make the, the better days that much sweeter. Now, before I ask you our final question, I, I do want to talk long term. So look at your crystal ball here. And if you if you had to think about your future in professional sports, do you see yourself staying in this capacity and continuing to build your career as an agent? Or would you someday like to work in an NFL front office or perhaps in an on-field role? You know, at least for the foreseeable future, I definitely want to stay doing what I'm doing. I, I love it. You know, it's a different challenge every day. And, you know, again, still still meeting new people every year, every every day, every draft class. It's, you know, there's always something different going on. And so I'm still enjoying it. You know, down down the road, I think it would be very exciting to, to have an opportunity to be a GM of a team. Um, I think there will be a female GM at some point, and I don't think I it's in the—I I don't think it's in the the too distant future. So, I would love to be the first one, but I would also love if someone else did it before me, because either way, that's a huge accomplishment and you know a big stepping stone for a lot of other people to come after us. Look, if you're the first one, can you just keep me in mind? I mean, I, I just give me a corner office, or give me a corner office, and and a cowboy remote and a TV where I could watch film and I break down prospects and 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 help you on the pro personnel side. That's all I want. And throw me I, throw me a couple bucks, and I'll be happier than a pig in poop. I got you. I got you. <laughs> nice. You can hold me, like you can hold me to that. <laughs> well, I'll try. It, it, I'll either hold you to it or the frog. It depends on. Okay. It depends on. Yeah, uh, you're gonna you're gonna have to fight it out with the frog, but that's all right. <laughs> well, I heard the frogs got a pretty good eye for talent, though, so you never know. Exactly. Um, final question here for from us tonight: What is one piece of advice that you would give to a young male or female that's aspiring to be an agent? Talk a little bit about you know, your experiences thus far in the business and, and what piece of advice would you give them if they want to follow in your shoes? I, I would say, you know, the biggest thing is, is know your why. You know, I know a lot of people use that almost to a cliche, but it, it's so critical, you know, again, with all the different challenges that you go through on a daily basis and, you know, the situations, the difficulties, whatever, if you know why you're doing what you're doing, that's going to help you through those those really tough tough days and tough situations. Um, you know, so again, just knowing why you're doing what you're doing is is key. And then on top of that, you know, especially for for females in this industry, because we know it can be extremely challenging for females, is just you know, be true to yourself. Know know your values, know your morals, know you know what boundaries you, you do and do, don't have, because there's going to be thousands of people with a thousand different reasons to say why females can't do this or why you shouldn't do this. But as long as you know why you're doing what you're doing, you know what you're doing. If, if you believe in yourself, that's really all that matters. Yeah. And obviously work ethic is a big part of it too, but just kind of as a quick follow-up. How important is networking? Because one of the things that I find nowadays with younger people in particular is, and I guess you could say that about any generation of people entering any profession during any period 
in, in recent history. But how important is networking? Because I find that young people today have a better grasp of the importance of networking as opposed to my generation. I'm 46. We didn't necessarily know what it was or care to know what it was. But I think today's generation is better at it than we were. But talk a little bit about how important networking is and, and meeting the right people and working hard for those people. Absolutely, you know, because your network is is everything, and that's going to allow you to to expand in ways that maybe you never even thought of before. And so, you know, whether you're in high school, college, graduate school, whatever it may be, you know, even if you're 10, 15 years into your career, you could never have too many people in your network. And it doesn't just have to be in the field or the industry that you're in, because as we all know, you know, whatever segment you're in, at some point you're going to cross over with different industries. And so, and they may look at things from a completely different perspective than how you look at it. So even just having a network of people to bounce ideas off of that, you know, say, hey, you don't necessarily work, you're not an agent, so you don't deal with this, but what do you think about this situation? But again, to the same extent, the people that you network with, that may be someone that you do business with on a completely different, you know, different project or something that your clients may end up being interested in that you can connect them to someone you already know that says, oh, hey, you know, you want to be in media or you want to be in broadcasting. Well, I know someone who's on that side and you can talk to them and they can tell you their their experience. So it's it's never a bad idea to to network and just, you know, if nothing else, just expand your your knowledge and your intellect in, in every different capacity possible. Yeah. And I think that's an awesome point because more often than not, we get we get stuck on networking for career advancement. And you can also network just to improve your situation and, and be more knowledgeable in an area that you're trying to acquire a position in or trying to make a career for yourself in. So I think that's so important because too often, and I've seen this in the world of sports and all my years doing radio and media and whatnot, that people want to network so that they can get to their next stop. And as you just said, it isn't always about that. It's also an opportunity to to improve yourself and to acquire knowledge and be better at your craft. Well, Caitlin, I want to say thank you for taking the time tonight. This was awesome. I'd love to do it you know, again. We'd love to have you on again. And uh, just one quick reminder. Again, when you get there someday and you become an NFL GM, don't forget about us. And also... I do want to state my case. I am more qualified than the frog. I've been doing this a long time. So when you become an NFL GM, when I'm, you know, probably in my mid-50s and ready to get out of my chosen profession, it'll probably be before that. But um, just, just you know, just keep in mind that I have more experience than the frog. When it comes down to it, I may not have the network the frog has, but I definitely have more experience. I got you. I will keep you in mind. In worst case scenario, it'll be a competition between you and the frog. So I'll nice. make sure you get a fair I, shot. <laughs> All I need is a chance. Just give me a there chance. There you go. Thank Kaylin, you, Caitlin. It was awesome talking to you tonight. Uh, good luck with the draft. Good luck with OTAs, minicamp, and obviously training camp later on this summer. And uh, like I said, we'd love to catch up with you again down the road. Likewise. I appreciate you guys for having me. Thank Thanks. you, Caitlin. We appreciate having you. Have a good night. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.